y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review free radicals. Also, is it possible a four-hour game didn't make Tony grumpy? We'll find out as the guys talk about the very popular coin game, Cuba Libre. And did laughing gas make Marty laugh or just loopy? Hello and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 251, Teacher. My name is Marty. I'm Tony. And I wish I had veto power on the titles of these episodes. Nope. Because I would be pushing for hot for teacher. You know, it could be that way, but not the way you're thinking. And we're going to get into why it's called teacher here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, it could have been hot for teacher. I don't know this song by them either. I've come to find out that I only know the most popular Jethro Tull songs. Mm. I don't know a lot of deep cuts. Well, when you type in the uh, songs about teachers in Google and that one pops up, I'm like, oh, I love me some Tull. Let's get some Tull. What was the lead singer's name? I don't know that. I don't need to know that. I just need to know that <laughs> they play flutes. They played flute. Yes, he sure did. And they were inducted into, oh, what was it? Rock, was it the rock and, not the rock and roll. It was the big stink when it was first announced. They're like, Tull's like heavy. It was the heavy metal award or something. They, I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. It was weird. It was like they won heavy metal and then people were like, Jethro Tull? Tall? That didn't make a lot of sense. I could have gone with that. We may have already used Hot for Teacher. If not, based on our where our trend is going in games, that may show up. Where our trend is going. Yeah, where we're playing these heavier games that are requiring oh. a lot more teach. Mm-hmm. So it, that one may show up again because it, it may stick out in my mind. And I guess the teach you're talking about is a segment we're going to be doing later where I taught you and somebody else. And actually more people the following weekend, uh, Cuba Libra. Yes. I always say Cuba. It's just Cuba Libra from GMT Games. Mm -hmm. Because you wanted to just Cubre. Cubre Libre. Cubre Libre. Yeah, I'm probably, I don't know. All right, we'll get into that story later on. All right. So uh, on the last episode, I had mentioned that uh, I was going in to have a wisdom tooth extracted. And I have since gone through that. Are you any smarter or dumber? Uh, definitely dumber. Definitely dumber. I'm down one wisdom tooth. Okay. So I have never had anything like that done. I've never had an extraction. I've only had like one cavity. So I've never been through a lot of dental work. So I had no clue what to expect. The oral surgeon said, look, you can either go without anything, a laughing gas, or we can put you under. But we've already checked your insurance. Uh, you'll have to pay for putting you under out of pocket. And I went, I ain't doing that. I ain't paying any money. Don't roll your eyes at me. Come off your hip. Spend that money. <laughs> get in your mean, own wallet. Stop getting yeah. in my wallet. Stop getting I, in everybody's I, what, wallet I'm on Discord. You go get a tooth extracted. Oh, come on. You you are in everybody's wallet, but but your own. What, what, okay. It didn't make any sense for one tooth to be pulled to be put under. It just didn't make any sense for all the hassle that you got to go through with the anesthesiologist and blah, 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 blah. All right. So I said, all right. So there's the, there's the happy medium of laughing gas or nitrous oxide, which I've, I've never had before. Oh, is that what they make cars go faster? Nitrous is that, oxide? No, is it nitrous oxide? What is laughing gas? I don't know. Oh, okay. Laughing gas, uh, which is very common to use it in dental work. Of course, they did all the local stuff. They numbed everything, right? So I go in here. And uh, he said, but this is only going to take like 10 minutes. I went, dang. Okay. So he comes in and he puts the thing on my nose. He says, we just want to make sure that you can handle the laughing gas. Some people don't like the way it makes them feel. So he puts this thing on my nose. It looks like I've, it's, I've got a pig nose with these mm-hmm. tubes coming out of it. 
And he says, all right, just start breathing in heavily. And I am. He said, you feel anything? I went, not really. He said, just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's like, I feel like I'm kind of lightheaded or floating. Mm-hmm. And he said, now what do you feel? I said, well, I feel like I'm floating. He went, yep, yep. That's what it's supposed to be. He said, are you okay? Are you anxious or uncomfortable? Went, no, it just feels weird. He said, all right. So he turns it off. He said, all right, I think you're going to be okay to do that. I said, okay. So he starts you know, pumping in Novocaine or whatever in my mouth to deaden everything. He said, I'll be back in a few minutes when this is ready to go. So I'm just sitting there. Of course, my mouth is going numb. All right. So I'm just chilling, looking at the phone or something. He comes back in. He said, you feel anything? I went, no. He said, all right, let's go. So he puts the thing on my nose. He turns it on. I start floating again. He said this was only going to take 10 minutes. Here's the only thing I remember. I remember him putting something in my mouth to keep my mouth open. And then I felt like he he and a couple other assistants were in there. And they got a tool. And I feel, felt him like he was like uh, playing with my cheek. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I felt like string in my mouth, which I figured out, well, wait a minute. That must be the, the sutures. sutures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, is it over already? And he, and he takes everything and says, all right, we're done. I, and I'm like, I don't have concept of time at this point. I don't know whether it just took no time at all or it really took 10 minutes. I thought you would remember everything, and I don't remember everything from that. Now, as soon as they take the laughing gas off, it's like out of your system. It's like, boom, you're, you're normal. You don't have to come off of it or anything. Because mm-hmm. I was able to get up and just start walking around at that point. You've never had laughing gas? No, I had my all four of mine removed. They had to do surgery, so they had to put me under. Mm-hmm. They had to cut them out. And what I'm not following is they Novocaine you up, which, you know, kills all pain right there. Right. Why did you need the laughing gas if all they were going to do was pull it? I probably didn't. He said, now some people like it just to help remove anxiety. and anxiety. Just keep you. Yeah. Just keep you like, you're not tense or anything like that. And I said, well, how much does that cost? <laughs> I was getting ready to say. He said, well, that costs like an extra 200 bucks. He said, if you don't do anything, this is only going to cost you $69 out the door. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, only 69 bucks. And Vanessa said, would you just take the laughing gas? You don't know what you're going to be going through. I said, but that's $369. <laughs> just do it. So I came off the hip and I paid for the laughing gas. And, uh, and what was really cool is I didn't have a lot of issues with it. Uh, Vanessa was a great nurse. She's supposed to put ice on every 30 minutes. And she was very diligent. Put the ice back on. Put the ice back on. Take this extra strength ibuprofen. Every three hours, take this Tylenol. Swap back and forth. Swap and back I did and that forth, for yeah. 48 hours. Uh, he gave me the hydrocodone. Yes. That's the light opioid. Oh, never even stuff. opened the bottle. Good for Never you. opened it because I, I never had any pain. I was expecting aches and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The only thing it was like, if I touched it, it was a little swollen and a little tender, but I never touched the stuff. So I went back for a visit the following week. He said, all right, on a scale of one to 10, what, what pain are you feeling right now? I went, none. He said, well, on the worst day, which would have been your third day, I warned you about that. What was the scale of your pain? I went, Pfft. I said, two. I said, honestly, if only reason I bother me, if I touched or try to open my mouth a lot. And he said, well, good. I give you the worst case scenario, but it sounds like everything went okay for it. But now the swelling has gone down and there's a hole back there. Okay. I was getting ready to ask you that. I was getting ready to ask you that. That's weird. Is that right? Yes. Have you know? Ne- so you've never had this. There's a hole. And I just ate some peanuts and I have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, when they have those holes, yeah. if you don't clean them out, they become infected. Right. So I've been brushing back there. You need to get a little water in there. You need to get a little good rinse Sw- in there. Just swish. Okay. So I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not supposed to use mouthwash, but I just get some water and, and swash around every night. 
Well, a real man would use some alcohol-based uh, mouthwash and <laughs> swish that stuff around. Just saying. Well, I've got a water pick, but I assume I probably don't want to do that. No. I mean, if you, can you... <laughs> so uh, think about a water I can water adjust pick. the pressure on it to make there it you really go. low. So you don't want to do like your, your pressure washer where you can sh- cut into concrete. That's a bad thing. You might want to do the one where you draw soap out of the, out of the thing, you know, to, to wash. That's what you're looking for. Speaking of which, Uh the first time I ever used a pressure washer (laughs) and tried to do the whole thing of drawing soap out of a bucket, I was so flustered. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Nothing is coming out. I didn't realize there was a special nozzle that you're supposed to put on Mm. the wand. That's very, I guess it's very low pressure, very low pressure. That will then draw the liquid out of the bucket. I was so mad. I was like, spray. It's like, God, just going out of this bucket. I could not figure it out. And then I happened to see one of the nozzles that said like soap or something like that. So safety moment. I'm pressure washing. Everything's going good. Everything's doing well. I'm finishing up and I take off my um, water shoes. All yeah. right. But the pressure washer's still going because and I was, I was going to spray off some of the mess with that. Sure. I nicked my toe. Oh, I was like, well, we're going to have to pressure wash the driveway again because I just crapped all over it. I was like, oh my gosh, this hurt. Did you tear skin? Oh yeah. Oh, I, oh man. I, oh, I was like, well, you know what? If I ever want to remove those bunions or those calluses on the side, I know how to do it now. Oh, son geesh. of a, that was a teaching moment. And I was just like, you idiot. What are you thinking? You had the trigger on the wand squeezed? So I was cleaning up and everything, and it was still going. I'm like, well, let me run the gas out of it. Mm. So I was just messing around. So once again, comfort zone was there, not really paying attention, trying to finish up. And I just inadvertently was just quickly doing it, and I nicked. And I was like, God. Mm. So anyway, back to your tooth. I could have saved you $69 or whatever, $169. We could have duct taped you to your basketball goal backed a car up and looped it with a thread and yanked that bad boy right out. You remember watching all those old black and white shows where that was always the way to pull a tooth, tie slam a the door and slam the door. <laughs> like, I guess that was the thing. It's not a thing anymore. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's well, you know, back then dental care was a little bit different if they had any dental care. So, well, I'm glad you came out of that. I'm glad that there was no issues, problems. Um, the sutures came out. Mm, Those are the ones that dissolve. If we're going to share some, some medical things. So Donna, who was on the episode last week and she talked about three sisters and fleet with me. She, um, as you get older people, you learn the things you did when you were young were stupid. For instance, not wearing sunscreen. Mm. It's a bad thing. Bad thing. So I probably shouldn't share this, but I don't care. She ain't going to listen. Matter of fact, when I was playing the, the episode where she was talking in the episode, she goes, I hate my voice. Stop it. I'm like, oh, okay. So have you, do you know what Mohs surgery is? Mohs? M-O-H-S. Yeah, Mohs surgery. It's where they- I don't. You know how you'll have like maybe moles or, or something on your, your body and they need to remove it and they can hit mm-hmm. you with the, the, what is the freezing stuff where you put Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, the liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Well, yep. most surgery is where you may have something and they need to take off layers to get rid of the cancerous stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, Donna had a mark on her nose and she needed that done. So mm-hmm. they went in, they took some layers off to, to make sure they got all of it. And then they took a graft from behind her ear and put it on her nose. Okay. Sutured her up and we've been taking care of that. Now, everything was going great, but 
two days ago, she just said, man, this is sore. What is going on? She went in today. One of those sutures didn't dissolve right and had gotten under the graph. Oh, so it's a good thing she went in. So I'm telling you, take care of yourself, people. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. They had to, did they have to remove the graft? He had to lift it a little bit, <laughs> flush a little bit, clean it out, and then resuture. Okay, you know, we're always about health here, especially as you get older. <laughs> One other thing that you should do, what your colonoscopy when you're told to, and go to a dermatologist once a year to do a, a skin check, a body yes. check. Yeah. That's typically covered by insurance. Uh, because it's a preventative medicine. I just went uh, a couple months ago. They took a spot off my back. They said, this looks weird. They contacted me. Nothing, no problem. But they did a little scrape thing just to make sure everything was okay. Again, we're all about preventative medicine here on RDT. That's right. <laughs> Go to your dermatologist once a year, no matter your age. This one doesn't matter. Get a baseline, and then from year to year, they can tell if things change. My favorite thing is the mole diagram. You pull out the mole diagram. Well, does that look like Australia? That, that looks gross. You know? Oh. Do you watch the Pimple Poppers thing show? No. Vanessa said, this is fascinating. I said, I do not want to see this. Turn this oh. off. I am walking out of this room. I do not need to see that show. But you know what I am watching? What's that? Murder in the building. Only murders in the building? Mm. Talk to me. Talk to me. What do you think? Well, first off, I love Steve Martin. Always have. Martin Short? Not so much. Okay. I, th I think he overacts. He reminds mm -hmm. me of a, a Jim Carrey type overacting. I see but that. He's yep. but, but he's great in this. But Steve Martin, <gasps> fucking bull. You know, one of our favorite movies. We just watched the one where he's seen Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. But I, who's stealing it for me is Selena Gomez. Those three have amazing chemistry together. They work so well together. She is, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, you are going up with some greats, girl, and you are nailing it. You are, you are carrying it. Like when Martin Short was talking, she's like, no, none of that coming out of your mouth. I'm like, that timing was impeccable, lady. But Donna's not into it. And I'm like, what is wrong? Really? You're not into the mystery? I don't know what it is. I'm like, we've got drama going on with the three people. What is going on here? She's like, I guess I need to pay more attention to it. And I go, yeah, you do. There's a lot happening here that you're, you gotta, you gotta pay attention. You gotta have the, so this one's going to roll to me to watch on Hulu. And I'm like, okay, now is, is this, a, this is, is this a one and done or is this, oh, you can't say spoiler. I can't, I can't. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah, you saw the very first scene of the season tells you something. Yes. So, okay. Well, I thought that was part of it. But it anyway. is. No, it is. It is. Uh, but anyway, I, I won't. How many episodes you got left? Uh, that was number three, I think. It's the one with Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Oh my gosh. She is so funny in that. What is it? Candy. What was her? Ken? I can't remember the name of I the character. Dude. Just shut up, Marty. Just come <laughs> back to me next episode and tell me things of, that, that have happened. Vanessa and I binged that over three days. We're talking about Only Murders in the Building. It's on uh, Hulu. Hulu. It came out last year, very, very popular. Vanessa and I were bored while we both had COVID. <laughs> I was like, what do you want to do? Well, I heard this was good. And then we just, boom, we watched it in like two or three days. And that was actually recommended from our Discord channel. Mm -hmm. Time to plug the Discord channel where they make some incredible recommendations over there. And uh, all right, 
I'm going to give an incentive, everybody. If we get to every 100 people that we that we make it, I'm going to give a gift card away to Miniature Market. We are like 40 away from 400. We get to 400, we will give away a $40 gift card. We hit 500, we're going to give a $50 gift card away. And how do you win? You got to be a member of the Discord channel. I'm just going to randomly pull a name and send them 40 bucks. And you got to kind of log in periodically because a lot of people didn't claim any prizes. Let's talk about prizes, Tony. Let's talk about this. Okay. So we had our prizes go out for our annual uh, anniversary episode. We picked them from BGG. We picked them from our uh, from Discord channel and from people who entered the survey. Mm-hmm. People, some people just never responded. And I don't understand. They don't check it. And, I, uh, you know, that's, that's understand. Understand you may not be on the server very often. I may have sent you a private message, whatever, but I will continue that. Reaching out, trying to get people to do that. If not, maybe I'll go back into the hat and pull some more, you know, and say, okay, yeah. we, got, we got this prize pool. We need to get rid of, we got some boxes of crap. The boxes of crap are kind of like, you didn't respond quick enough, so you get what's left. I have sent my big box of goodies mm-hmm. to a winner in uh, Indianapolis or Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana. It ended up being over 30 games. Some were open, some had never been open, and it weighed 55 pounds and cost $64 to ship, and it was worth it. It was a huge box. $64 to ship, I mean, if you were to, that's one game plus shipping at Miniature Market sometimes, you know? Yeah, so again, over 30 games, I'm telling you all, this box of surprise thing that I do, I make it worth your while to enter. And I've got one more that I'm giving away, a little bit smaller one. And I'm going to be giving that away directly at uh, Tantrum Con, uh, which you and I are going to be going to in a week. And we'll talk about the next episode. Yes. The, the winner happens to be coming to Tantrum Con. So mm-hmm. we appreciate him saving us money because it's all about right. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. I probably need to throw a couple extra in there for, for him just because he's uh, saving us money. So here's the thing, y'all. If you haven't been on Discord in a while, go check Discord messages. Tony may have sent you something. Uh, a lot of prizes have gone out, and thank you to all the publishers that have supported us. They've been shipping out games, and we've heard from people that have got their their games, and we appreciate that. So uh, we're trying to get them out there. Yeah, and if you don't, if you haven't received anything yet, just be patient, but let me know, and you can definitely do that by sending us an email at rolldicetakenames at gmail.com. And if that's not correct, whoever receives this, let forward it back to me, okay? Roll dice. Well, it's, it's, is it roll dice or roll dices? It's roll dice. Take roll names. dice. Take names at gmail.com. Yeah. Let, let us know. We're there. It's a process. It's a process. It's get the address. Maybe the care, the courier needs a phone number. And I appreciate everybody giving me that. And then, okay, now we're back and forth, back and forth. Okay. They're sent. So hopefully they'll, they'll get there. But you know, you didn't make it to game night and because you had to go let a dog out who let the dogs out. Marty, Marty. Yes. And I finally got to play a Kickstarter I backed. I don't know when. Maybe first of 2021. I have no mm-hmm. idea. I've lost track. I've been dying to get this thing played. And it was called Unforgiven. Let me make sure I get the whole name in here. And it's because I'll mess it up. It's called Unforgiven, the Lincoln Assassination Trial by Tom Butler. I've been dying to play this because it has three mechanics that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So if you've played uh, Seven Wonders Duel, have you ever played? Okay, Seven I have. Yes. And how the cards are laid out. You mean they're stacked on top of each other, yes. overlapped? Yes. yes. 
and those cards have resources on them and you pay for, you can pay for a card and then that card goes into your tableau. And just like Seven Wonders, you're building those resources. Okay. Yep. So the next card you may want, well, I need, I'll need to get a, uh, a, a revolver and I may need a uh, ear. Those are just the resources. So you're, you're pulling cards out of this display to either put them in your tableau or to do some other action. Mm-hmm. Next, one of my other, another mechanic I enjoy. It has where you're trying to prove either they're guilty or innocent. And this is all about the trial where it was for Mary Seward who harbored those who assassinated Lincoln. And she was convicted and hung. Okay. So someone is trying to defend her and someone is trying to, you know, show innocence. But the next thing that I have is you're trying to get to either is she innocent or guilty. And you do that by moving the scales of justice, similar to the mechanic that we enjoy in Watergate. You know how you're moving the disc up and down, back and forth, yes. the, the, the tug, the pull and tug, the tug, tug and pull. Tug thing? Yes. That's in there. So I enjoyed that. And then it's got dice, amazing okay. dice, amazing dice. The dice are resources that you can either spend to claim cards or take, take actions with that are like, if you have two similar dice, you can do this action, or you may spend three and you can object to somebody taking an action. So we got to, we didn't get to finish it because Mark actually showed up on time and, uh, that's, that's great, but I can't wait to get it to the table again. It's got these mechanics I really enjoy. I'm glad I kickstarted it. Can't wait to get back to the table to see how it plays out. How long does it play? Yeah, supposedly 30 minutes. Okay. We had been playing for an hour. Oh. We had only gotten into phase two, but a lot of that wow. is, what does this card do? What does this symbol mean? How does this react? What do we need to do for this? Understanding some of the words. You know how that is. On that first game, you're saying, oh, wait, how does this happen? Oh, I forgot this mechanic. So if we discard a card, we can then bring a juror all over to our side, but it's from our hand. Wait a minute. What about this text? It's all that going through it. Just understanding. Once you get the iconography down, of course, and understand the, the, the actions, boom, I can see it being 30 minutes. It's by, published by Greenfeet Games, Tom Butler. If you get a chance, play it, especially if you enjoy those mechanics. Now, I remember you bringing it and it looked really good. Great production. In- incredible production. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to probably play it again. I think it's something Donna really enjoyed uh, seven wonders duel. So she understands that mechanic and I, and I uh, like that, you know, so I was thinking, Oh, well maybe this is a good game for she and I, it's two player. I mean, you can't go wrong. Two player got to get something on the table. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. The production uh, looked amazing. It is available on their website at greenfeetgames.org. Org. org. Uh, dot org. Yep. It is. It's uh, it's the collector's edition and it's 70 bucks. But you said the production is absolutely top-notch. It is top-notch. I've seen it. The art looks, looks great. I don't think I got the collector's edition. I think when I kick-started, I got the Common Man production. Cause right. Because my, my Sway tokens aren't, they're just regular cardboard. I don't need none of that fancy bling on my games. I'm good with this, you know? It depends. If it's a game I'm going to play a lot, I like it. But otherwise, you're right. I don't need it. I noticed that, and I posted this in our Discord channel, a lot of TV or, or game shows have been going into board games and video games lately. So on our Discord channel, there was one where I, I watched The Chase. I, it's an hour-long show that I can watch in 30 minutes, and I like trying to see if I can answer the questions. 
Mm-hmm. See if I feel as dumb as everybody else. And they had one and I posted this and it said, um, it was a multiple choice for the person. And it says, this award is given to what hobby? And the award is named Spill de Jar. So Ken Jennings is the chaser and the lady, she, she guessed and they were wrong. I'm like, it's board games. People are fools. But come on, how would anybody else? Well, I guess unless you know German. And that's what Ken Jennings knew. He said one, he knew one was one of the words was board. Yep. Uh, award for board or award for game. I think that's what he said. Okay. And then the reason why I was late, I was watching Jeopardy and the double Jeopardy um, category was a game, a video game and regular board games that start with a. And one of them is where the players are the players uh, from uh, Russia, United States, UK, and the other ones are the the Nazis in Italy on this great big board game that had more to it. Oh, Axis and Allies? Axis and Allies. And this game, you are going around, uh, you are in Valhalla, and you are out um, sneaking around killing people. Something like that. I'm like Assassin's Creed. Got it, got it, yeah. And then they said, this one has over 200 plus red cards and so many green cards. And I was like, I don't know this Apples to apples. Apples to apples. I was like, look at them. I'm so proud of Jeopardy. Look at that. They're running out of stuff. Wow, that's not nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we got to get over to our our big game that we got to talk about. But before we get there, I've got to mention something. Okay. We show up at Marty's and he's got it all set up. Talk about Cuba Libra. Yep. You might as well give us the subject. Yep. Cuba Libra. So he is all giddy, y'all. Mm-hmm. I think he was bouncing in his seat as we, we were sitting there. Oh, I can't wait to teach y'all. I can't wait to teach you this. And I'm like, man, you're more excited than your dog, Taz. Okay. So here we go. So we start out. And he knows my attention span is not the greatest thing in the world when it comes to teaching me a game. How do you win? Get me there first and then tell me how to win. 50 minutes later, <laughs> we haven't even moved the first piece of wood. Did you even know I was doing that? I know. I saw your phone. I said, you, you were timing it. And I said, are you doing this? I'm doing it for the show. So here it is. You did it for this little segment right here. That's right. Okay. So hold on. Let, oh, wait a minute. Oh, 25 let's... minutes of it was all background. 25 minutes. All right. Okay. Here's your turn. Let me explain. Number one, I was giddy. Wait a minute, hold on. It's going to take 50 minutes? No. I was giddy because for two months we've been trying to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And we had had snowstorms. Uh, We just had people get sick. I I think multiple of us had COVID during that time. Or, you know, Bert had a stomachache. He didn't even make it that day. We had to end up playing with a non-player character, which actually... Probably took a little longer because I had to learn how to play that character. Mm-hmm. None of y'all had played coin, right? So you're coming in knowing zilch. And I went from there. Maybe we should just carry this over to the next segment about how I taught it. And we'll see if you felt it was a good teach. Even though it took 50 minutes, not one of you ever said, let me see the rule book. We didn't need to. It was simple. And why was it simple? Because of my teach. Uh, okay. You believe what you want to believe. Oh, gosh. Give me a little <laughs> credit. You guys were up and running when we started the game. There's one thing that I will tweak. I'm getting ready to teach it again. I will tweak where I will not go over every single action and cut that part out. And that's probably 15 minutes I can cut out. 
You're shaking your head. Do you think I need to do that? No, no, no. Okay. You, can, you can cut out the 25 minutes of background. No, no. Okay. Let's just go to the other segment because I'm going to tell you why I did not do that. It seems like every few days, Miniature Market is posting something new for sale. Another big sale is going on. Oh, wait, mini are the little mini figures up to 80% off. Holy cow. They did the Valentine Day sale 14% off on certain games. It's almost like you need to go over to miniaturemarket.com every day and see what's happening. And I will say this, Marty, I've noticed that around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, that's when I get over there because it seems like that's when the new sales drop. And mm. it's East, Eastern time in the United States, that's when I see them hit. And watch them change it on me and mess me up now. Don't do this to me. Don't make, don't make it any harder than it already is. The hard is you're getting in my wallet and it's hard for me to resist. I'm always over there looking at the front page seeing, oh, what just came out? Or the new releases. Matter of fact, after we were on coin, I typed in GMT. Couldn't make it any couldn't make it any easier for me. And I was like, oh, what are these games that GMT's got? I didn't have to type in a various name and then click on boom, GMT games, boom, here are all the GMT games that they had. And best of all, if you sign up and you have an account there for your birthday, you might get a little coupon. I know I did. I got a coupon that said, hey. If you spend fifty dollars, we're gonna take a little bit off. I'm like, okay, sold. That's all you gotta do is dangle a little carrot in front of me. I'm done. Be sure to go check them out. Miniaturemarket.com. All right, y'all. As we set up in the previous segment, I've been waiting a long time to teach Cuba Libra. This is a game from GMT Games. It's designed by Jeff Grossman and Volko Runka. And Volko is basically the father of the coin system. His first game that came out was Andy and Abyss. This is the second in the series, and there have been a lot of games since then. So I was excited. I talked about in the previous segment. I was so excited because it had been a month since we were trying to get together and everything like that. One thing, Tony, that I think is important about games like this is understanding the historical significance of what we're doing because Jeff and Volka spent so much time in making sure that actions that are being taken by the factions thematically make sense with what happened in the history books. And what is happening in Cuba Libra, this was the late 50s in Cuba, where the government was not very good, it was somewhat corrupt. Uh, there was a group led by Fidel Castro that came in and was trying to take over. And there was a couple other factions in there. One was the Directorio, who was also trying to overthrow the government, but they were more of a centrist group. And then you had the syndicate, which was like mobs and casinos and stuff. Look, we just want to make some money. Yeah, government protect us and make sure we can just keep making our money. And yes, I went through a whole history of what these people were going through because their actions are an analogy with what was happening during that time with the group. So to me, I thought it made sense to wait a minute, why is it over time the government gets less and less money and they can't do anything? And I told you the story of how the government was losing support from the U.S. And so they start out strong and end up weak. Whereas July 26th or uh, the Castro's group, it's called July 26th in the game, were building forces and they were build, building momentum over the game. So to me, I think the theme helps understand what you're doing in the game and the victory conditions too. 
So you're going to stick with that? Yes, I am. And okay. when I teach it again, I will be going through the history again because I think it makes... If I was just to say, okay, here's July 26th with no reason whatsoever, and I said, here's all the actions they do, didn't it make more sense understanding what those actions were? Didn't it make more sense to understand that the syndicate was basically getting cash tokens and, and bribing people and paying off people? It had to help. Okay, I'll just, I should have the other two on here that played. So I think I'm just know. giving you a hard time. No, it does help. It, it does help. But so <laughs> maybe, maybe on your teach, as you go through the, the faction I played, the Directorio, if I mm -hmm. remember that correctly, you know, oh, and by the way, you're playing the Directorio. You know, everybody pick your faction. You're playing the Directorio. They are the students. They were the students, right? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people in academia, which was academia. kind of working towards you. Yeah. And as you can see on your actions, that action, you want to rally, rally your fellow students. You want to be able to um, move throughout the country so that you can gain influence. The history part, yeah, you, you did fine. I'm just giving you a grief about it. It was just funny because you know me. I learn by doing. Yep. And so I was sitting there just saying, okay, he's into this. I'll give him that. But this will be so much fun to tease him back. But here's the thing. If I said which faction you want to be, you just randomly picked one. This yeah. way I gave you guys a chance to go, well, that, I kind of like what they do. I'll do that one. True. But does, did it really matter which one? It was, unless you can tell me what their strengths are. Like this faction, I try. He's all he's all about he's all about that base. This faction is all about that influence in the base. That faction's all about the making the money, mm -hmm. money, money, money. Yes, I could have. I just thought it was interesting when I learned the game last year that I thought it was interesting hearing the historical aspects. And I, it and is every GM every GMT book comes with what they call a playbook. The playbook mm -hmm. is actually will walk you through how to play the game. There's two types of rule books in GMT games. There's the rules of play, and then there's the playbook. The playbook typically shows you, okay, here's how you set up the game. Let's walk through this together. And the back of the book is all the historical stuff. I get into reading the historical stuff. Last time we talked about Red Flag of Paris, I enjoyed reading the historical things about Red Flag of Paris, and I enjoyed the game more because I understood what they were doing. No, I agree. That's why when we play a Thompson, we're all about what was going on at that time. A Thompson. He's, David Thompson? David Thompson. Well, Undaunted, Postman wear, uh, Soldiers, wear, po soldiers yes. in Postman uniforms, Castle Itter, uh, the one that, the, the Leviathan, um, Leviathan's Ridge. I think that uh, was Lab one. Labyrinth's Ridge? Yes. Um, I, I need to, I think the Kickstarter's over. The Kickstarter will probably be over by the time this is released. But all that historical, why is that important? And I agree with you. It, this needs to be, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. okay? okay. And if I don't know about the history, I agree with you. I need to learn about that. I, why else would I be playing this game? Just to push the cubes around? No, I need to know what they were doing and what they were trying to achieve at that time so that I can be all in. I need to feel their pain. I need to understand, oh man, th these academia, they were going to be, and this, is, this was me, because based on your teach, good job, by the way, well done. Don't patronize me. <laughs> hot for teacher here, not hot <laughs> as in, thump, 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 what, burn in love. That's what call a hot for teacher. Mm, you know, it was hot because you hurry up and freaking teach the game. I'm hot, I'm getting hot over here. But no, but I was all in for them because I knew they were the underdog. I felt like they were going to be the underdog in this. I wanted to do everything I could to make, make it so they could win. And that's from the history. They're a bunch of academia. They're a bunch of nerds. What are they going to do? How are they going to fire a gun? 
how are they, you know, they could put it back together again, but that's about it. It's not like they're going to hit anybody versus the casino guys. That's mafia. And I, meanwhile, Godfather's running through my head while you're talking about sure. this. And then, Frank you know, Sinatra's out there. Frank Sinatra's out there. He's down there. Maybe Sammy Davis. I don't know. And then of course my mind's full of all the old cars in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, okay. And then Castro, well, how, you know, and I start thinking, I better pay attention. I really don't know how Castro came to power. He just is in power. He's been in power for my whole life till he died. It's interesting you say that because right after I learned how to play, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix and it was actually called Cuba Libra, which had the whole history of Cuba, especially the transition of power and how Castro came into play. Watch the whole series. And that made the game even more interesting because now... Uh, each of the event cards in this game is based on an actual event. And in the back of the book, you can go and look up the event cards and, and hear about the event and everything. So that, that's a lot of depth about what the theme of this game is. But Tony, this is the first time you ever played a, a coin game. And I've played maybe 10, 12 coin games. I've probably played this one seven or eight times. So before you go there, you just made a very important point. When we played, when we played Twilight Struggle, when we played Red Flag, uh, Red Flags Over Paris, or when we played Fort Sumter, when I played Unforgiven, all these cards have artifacts, information, flavor text that I don't mind reading. It brings you into the game. So to your point, also, if you had let me have your Netflix password and told me that, I would have been even more involved. <laughs> Oh, that's so I'm, I'm going to sign up. I am so going to sign up for Netflix. Tony, you're going to give your first impressions of ever playing a point game. And uh, I'm just going to kind of reiterate some of the stuff that I've seen after playing many coin games and what I appreciate about them. So one of the things about coin games, this one being them, is that every faction is totally different. Mm-hmm. Every faction has different abilities. Every faction has different victory conditions. All right, so I'm going to throw this out there too. So people say that Root is a coin light game. I've heard that Root was influenced by coin games, and I can see that, but I don't consider it a coin light game, and I'll explain why in a minute when we talk about the main action selection mechanic in this game. But there are a lot of games out there with different factions. For example, Tony, we have a segment coming up right after this, Free Radicals. It's all about different factions doing different things, but it has a totally different feel than what this game oh, yeah. does. Oh, yeah. But but this one, even though it is a coin, my experience with, with Struggle, Fort Sumter, Red Flag, all of that made this game easy for me to understand. Really? Even though it's a totally different system? By the way, for those who don't know, coin stands for counterintelligence. Counterinsurgents. Wow. Wow. That would have been $5 counterinsurgents it was the action of the choice of getting the card and doing an event which is very similar to all these other games that was the big link for me okay here's a card that has an event on it and i can either choose to play the event or do a an action and a special action if allowed so here play the event on a card from fort sumter or place a bunch of disc out so for my mind, as simple as it is, that was not that hard of a leap for me. And I was just like, okay, instead of just putting disc on a board here, I'm actually having to do various actions. And that drives the depth of this game well beyond struggle and red. And of course, Fort Sumter. 
So you talked about the event deck, and I think that's the main thing that I love about coin games is the game is driven by this event deck. And in the, I think the base game, I think, we, I think there's 48 event cards in this game. I pulled out eight to make a shorter game. And uh, in every quartile of that deck is a card called the propaganda card. We'll talk about that later, but it's almost like uh, an epidemic card in Pandemic. When that card comes up, you do things. You stop gameplay, you resolve stuff. That's what's going to happen here too. But what I think is so interesting about this game, Tony, is you flip over the top card of the event deck. And across the top, you have the four icons of the four different factions. The order from left to right tells you who gets to decide what to do first on that turn. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is, is only two factions at the most will actually do anything that turn. And I think that's what makes this game so interesting. And the things that you can choose to do will dictate what the second player gets to do for that card simple it was very that's a very simple but it has to sink in so let's say for example you talked about there's event on the cards one of the things you can do let's say you're the first player that can go on this event card you say that event looks really cool i'm going to do the event you have your little token that you put uh, down on the board on the sequence of play you say i'm going to take the event right to the right of it is basically the only thing that could be done the rest of that card that turn it's called a second faction op. So whoever chooses to go next, and I say choose because you have the option to pass. You can always pass and get resources and wait for the next turn because you actually do get to see what the next event card is going to be. You have your active card and you have the other one that's flipped up on top of the deck. So you see what's coming up. So you know what the order is going to be next turn too. But if somebody takes the event, then what happens is, is that the next person can take their full turn, meaning they can take a full action of their available actions plus a special activity if they want to which is pretty powerful the person who went first could decide you know what i don't care about the event i'm going to take one of my actions and i'm also going to take a special action so everybody has four actions to choose from and some special actions they can choose from if they're able to do that so i'm gonna say i'm gonna skip the event i'm gonna take one of my these actions and one of my special actions Next person then has the option to either take the event or do a limited operation. And limited operations are kind of interesting. Did that confuse you, Tony? When you took an action, you took an operation, typically you targeted spaces. I'm going to move. I'm going to move to this space, this space, this space, and this space. And for every space that I'm going to that I picked, I have to pay resources. Limited operations mean you only get to pick one space. For that action. I never did it. So that you, I probably cheated if I did. You didn't. I would have kept you straight. Okay. Because I don't think I ever had that opportunity to do a limited operation. Because of that, I forgot about that aspect of it. Seriously. Because operations was I could rally in anything. I could move anywhere. Right? Yeah. Unless it was limited and you can only do it in one spot. That wouldn't, you would have caught it the first time I did it. And I said, oh, my bad. Let's raycon that and we'll get it straight. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the, I mean, once again, operations, these are your operations. Okay. Limited operations. Okay. Put the two words together, figure that one out, bright boy. You know, you can only do it in one spot. Simple. Oh, and by the way, special action is tied to the operation. See, it's right there on the card. Beautifully laid out cards. The player aids for this game are really, really good. And I think that's why y'all never had to look at the rule book. 
because the player aids has all the diff the four factions, what all their actions are, and explains in detail. That's another thing I spend a lot of time to is definitions of words. What is a space? What is a province? What is an EC? What is a city? What is a piece? What is a base? What is a cube? And it's all very important because the different actions would specify base or troop or police or maybe peace. And if it said peace, that was any wooden bit on the board. If it's not specifically laid out and it just says peace, you can affect anything. Gorilla doesn't have to be your own. It's any gorilla. I also think that was kind of important in the teach too of explaining the hierarchy of what each of the things are. You had pieces and underneath that you had different types of pieces. You had spaces underneath that you had different types of spaces. That in a 50 minute teach, that's why we didn't look at the rule book. Just re-emphasizing the teach, man. That's all. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing I understand. Wrong. I understand. So here's the thing with the whole action selection mechanic. Let's say that I'm going to go on my turn. The event that's on the card does me no good. Tony, I see will actually get to go next. Let's say this event looks really, really, really good for him, and I don't want him to do the event. That means I cannot afford to take a full operation and special activity because we'll have the option for the event. There's one other thing I can do. I can take a faction operation only, meaning I do a action in as many spaces as I want, but I don't get my special activity. I just can't do it. And if I do that, his only option after that is to do a faction limited op. So I cut him off from getting the event. And Tony, I think that's what makes this so interesting is, man, I can have a really big turn, but if I have a really big turn, I might give the next player a super big turn. So should I limit myself on what I do this turn just to keep the next person from having such a great opportunity to do something maybe against me? And you could also see the next card coming up and you can say, wait a minute, that event may be even more special for him. So he might pass. So I might risk it. Let me go mm -hmm. ahead and do that. And he's the only one that can, because he's the other, only other person that's able to take a turn this time, because the other two have already spent their turns last turn. So they don't have an option right now to be part of that. Unless they passed. Unless they passed. And I think that was something very key. And that's one of the strategic parts of the game is that, you can always see where people are going to be able to take moves. If someone is going to pass, they're thinking ahead, like I'm going to pass so that I can get to another opportunity because I see a card that, okay, I know Marty's got a turn. He's probably going to do this. Tony's next. I think he might take that because if he doesn't, then he's a fool. Ooh, but wait a minute. He's got a card up there that gives him a really good deal and I follow him. So if he passes, a lot going on, a lot of thinking, a lot of, but I never felt like AP was going on. Never felt that way. Not really. And you talked about some people not being able to go. So let's say, for example, on this turn, I took an action, you took an action. We actually move our pieces over to the right side of the, of the selection uh, board. We're ineligible for the next card. We're totally out of the next card. We don't even get to do it. So that card has now resolved because two actions have been resolved off that card. The next event card comes into play. The other one after that flips over. The other two players that didn't do anything on that previous event card now get to go and mm -hmm. we sit out. So the game, honestly, once we got into the flow, moves pretty darn quick. Yeah, it does. And can you plan ahead somewhat on the event? A little bit, yeah. Uh, on the events you can. You can say, if, if I want to take this event or not, but depending on the actions people have taken, imagine this, 
you are going for dominance in this one, or in this game, like who's got the most pieces. You're kind of right. Every faction's winning condition, most of them do have to do with pieces on a board. You're right. Mm. You're right. Yep. But even when I'm moving to an area, do I have majority of that area or whatever the term I'm supposed to use on this now? Well, it depends on the number of opposing pieces. It's not that I've got four green cubes and Marty's got three red. There's no green cubes. Fine. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever color. I've been playing with another game that's got green cubes. Okay. So whatever color my cubes were. Well, they weren't cubes. They were little hex pieces. The gorillas. The gorillas, the hex pieces. Fine. There. Whatever color those pieces of wood were. I had four of them. Marty's got, Marty's got, oh, here you go. Marty's got three dark blue and two light, uh, three dark blue cubes. That's true. Cause you were, you were, you were the government. The government. Yeah. So you had, you had the army out there, not the police. Troops. Army. Army. Is the army not the troops? I'm calling by what is in the book. It's troops and policemen. I didn't get to see the book because I had to wait 50 minutes. <laughs> so, so you've got three over there. So I've got, I'm, I'm more than you, but oh, wait, Nate's got his little gorillas over there, his little cube, his little red cube there. So now it's all equal. So now I don't. And I was like, oh, wow, all this has to come into play. It's not, forgot where I was going with this other than the fact that that's the next big thing to me in this game was you're having to keep track of that because you need that. Some factions want control. They want to be able to control as many spaces on the board as they can. Some other factions wanted to, like the government, wanted a lot of support. They wanted the people on their side, and there was a way to measure support in each space. July 26 wanted opposition. That was their whole thing. Syndicate, like, we just want to have a bunch of open casinos and have a lot of money. Honestly, that's each one of the different victory conditions. The actions that are associated with the factions help you get towards that. A lot of the basic actions were move. A lot of the basic actions were get new pieces on the board or attack somebody else's pieces to try to remove those pieces. That's kind of what the basic, a lot of the stuff was. But Tony, you said you didn't feel like it was just moving cubes around on a board. No, I had to be strategic in what I was doing to try to achieve the objective because some of it would drive my economy based on the faction I was playing. For me, it was how many, because I was the directorio. If I was in a certain area, I got money. So I needed to spread out. But if I wanted to do an offense attack against someone, I had to have a number of pieces. We're going way too deep. I'm almost ready to hit the buzzer on this. There's a lot there, but don't be scared of this game. It's really not that bad from the standpoint of, you may not experience a 50-minute teach. That's fine. (laughs) That's okay. I think somebody, some channel who teaches board games, I think his is like three hours long or something. Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, Rodney's the one that taught me this game and his teach was probably about an hour, but we were doing it over videos. So it probably took a little bit longer. So he didn't get much faster than what I did, but it was over video as I was posted in person. So that does make a big difference. And and you couldn't two times him. (laughs) I could not two times it. It was live, baby. I should have said, could you record it? And then let me speed it up. Cut to the chase. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved the mechanism, the main mechanism of picking the cards, who gets to go win, how you make those decisions. Regardless of moving the pieces on the board and all that, that mechanism right there 
the main mechanism sold me on this game. Sold me on all of them. The event deck and, and your action selection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I am so pumped to get Fire in the Sky, which is about Vietnam, to replay that because that's history that I'm interested in. Sure. Let's see. Uh, what's the other one? Um, what's a, uh, we've got, what's the other one we've got? Colonial Twilight. That's two player. That, that history, I don't know. I'm going to have to go read the book on that. This is so intriguing about those decisions that, yeah, I'm hooked. You sold me. I, I'm good, man. Let's do it again. But it's fire in the lake, not fire in the sky. F- thank you. Fire in the lake. Fire, I knew yeah. that. Because I, I used to say fire in the sky too, because I didn't understand the whole uh, fire in the, in the lake thing. I love the smell of napalm. There you go. In the morning? In the morning. Is that what it is? In the morning? Mm-hmm. That's what got me about this game. It's not the asymmetric factions. There are a lot of games that have that. Mm-hmm. This is where I said right at the very beginning, some people said, oh, you know, Root is coin light. I'm not going to call Root coin light. Root has different factions. They're all trying to get victory points. And it does have to do with pieces on the board, typically, and how you get those victory points. But what Root does not have is this really, really cool event deck with the action selection. And that's kind of the core of all the coin games I've played. I haven't played all of them. There may be some that breaks that, but that of all the coin games I've played, it's about that. It's about people moving into spaces and people coming in and trying to take over in their spaces and the tough decisions that you have to make in, in order to do that and the different victory conditions uh, b- between them. So that's what really got me hooked in the entire coin, coin series and what I want to play. In fact, I have Liberty or Death Sitting mm-hmm. downstairs. Mm-hmm. I've got Harold Buchanan that is willing to come online and teach me how to play. He said, the only thing with my game, I really want you to play four player. Do not play with less than that because we had to play three player. All four factions have to be run uh, for every game. You can't avoid that. You have a choice. I had a choice last week. Do I play two factions? Do I play government and syndicate while you and Nate play the other two? That is one option. If you've only got two players, each of you play two factions, or there's a whole non-player flow chart that actually walks you through on the non-player factions turn. Here's a flow chart and you walk right through and resolve their turn for that. That's what we had to do last week. It works okay, but it's definitely meant for four players for sure. That's why I told you, like you said, I'm excited about Colonial Twilight because that is just for two. Now that you understand the basis of coin, you'll be able to open up the Colonial Twilight rulebook and probably really understand the reading of what you're seeing because you understand terms now. Mm-hmm. It'll just be basically how are the factions different. They may have some different abilities that doesn't exist inside Cuba Libra. Okay. I mean, it's going to be an easy learn. I don't have to worry about, you know, I'll pay attention to what pieces are in adjacency and spaces and all that good stuff. Just see what they mean. But I agree with you. This will be quick, easy. Barely an inconvenience. So quick. How long did it take us to play the game, first game? Uh, let's see. Three, was it three hours? Three and a half hours? Let's see. We, we sh- hold on. Let's, let's figure this out. We showed up at 10, meet and greet, got started. Probably the first piece didn't move until about 11-ish. Yep. So between breaking and everything, so three hours with all the breaks, because so, we stopped at three. I think we finally finished up about 2.30. If we play again, it would go faster, right? No doubt in my mind. Cuba, Cuba, the nice thing about Cuba Libre, it's a small map. I could have taught y'all Andy and Abyss, but it's a lot bigger map, and there are a lot more pieces to have to deal with. I like the small map of this one. I think that's just why a lot of people recommend Cuba Libre as your first teach of a coin game. I agree with you, Tony. Do not be intimidated by this game. 
honestly, find somebody that's played it. You can go through the rule book. The rule book is very well written, but you have to understand the rule book is very exact. Every word means something. Do not add words. Do not subtract words. Just do exactly as it says. But it would help if somebody has played that can kind of help you walk through it. Because Tony, I bet you right now I can hand you the Cuba Libre rule book and it would be a breeze for you to go through and go, oh yeah, that's right. Yep, that's how that works. Like if you don't play for three months, you could pick this up and probably pick it up pretty quick. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just show it. Yeah, yeah, there'd be no problem with that. I was thinking the exact same thing, that it would not take that long. I'm, tr- I'm looking on the uh, iPad if see if there's a, um, do you know, is there a um, app for it? Yeah, everything else seems to be app. I don't think there is. There's not. I mean, you could play Vassal modules. A lot of people play coin games via, or GMT games via Vassal, mm-hmm. uh, which which is an option. And we could do Colonial Twilight that way. I just like physical pieces on a table. I've got a blank table down there. I'm going to go ahead and set up Colonial Twilight. And uh, you got to find a space for yours. We'll read got through one. the rule book. Got one? You read through the rule book, and then you and I start playing, and we'll come back later, and we'll tell about our experience with Colonial Twilight. But there you go. Tony's first impressions. Aside from my 50-minute teach, <laughs> the game was pretty easy to get into, and you'll love the action selection mechanic. Yeah, next time next time I won't be the uh, syndicate. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention. So, by the way, I told the guys, pull the levers. I said, if there's an action you've never taken, take it. Whether you think it makes sense or not, just to see how different actions work. I do recommend that for your first game. Whatever faction you're playing, pull every lever just to see what happens. It is funny that the non-player faction won the game. Oh, one other thing I didn't mention. There's propaganda cards that are every quartile of the deck. Let me tell you what that does. The game stops at that point, and that's when you check for victory. That is the only time you check for victory. So that is very tense, Tony. And I've played a lot of coin games where you start thinking, man, if I don't stop the government right now and the next card's propaganda, the government wins. That's where you start working together. Maybe the other three factions go, we got to make sure government doesn't win. And you go against the government and start pulling them back. If there's a runaway leader, everybody then works together to get them to blow their victory condition in case that propaganda card shows up. The first thing you check is victory. After that, you go through a lot of other stuff. Typically, that's where you get a lot of money. Everybody gets some resources. You get to redeploy some stuff and you keep going. But there is so much tension in when's that propaganda card coming up? And the deck is random. There may be an event come up that totally hoses you over because it's like, dang it, they got to do this and may totally mess up your turn. And that's another thing about the game too. Your best laid plan could be thwarted by an inconvenient event card that pops up. Just get it. And it's happened to me before. And that what it does, it creates memorable experience. We're all about games here that tell stories, right? I have a lot of stories to tell with coin games, and I can't wait to create many more. I just got one about to teach. I'm good. <laughs> So I'm over here looking at shopportalgames.com. Is that what the URL's been? I mean, it seems like it changes like every six months. Is that what it is now? Shopportalgames.com? I just type portal games and let it take me where it wants to take me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am so excited that uh, Portal Games is bringing Gutenberg over to North America. This was a hot game. Hot. Like that. 
Hot for Gutenberg. Hot for Gutenberg. Not Steve Gutenberg, but the printing press Gutenberg. Uh, this is going to be coming over uh, North America. Big game over at uh, Essen. And it looks really, really interesting. I can't wait to try it out. Just today I saw that uh, if you like Nirishima Hex and you have the app on the Android iOS, a new army dropped today. So make sure to uh, check that out. New factions coming out later on for Empires of the North. Can't wait to see that later on this year. Uh, the new Batman detective game. Come on, y'all. Come on. Join the newsletter for Portal Games so you can stay up to date on all these things. Follow them on Twitter and uh, make sure to check out shopportalgames.com and go get your pre-order in for Gutenberg because as soon as it lands here at the house, we're getting it on the table. Let's get it on. Hot for teacher. Yeah. What? Wow. Wow. <laughs> So we got this WizKids game in that has this, oh, I don't know. What was, what was our favorite card game there for a long time? Uh, Terminals, uh, Scorched Earth. What was that one called, Marty? Android Netrunner? Netrunner, yeah, Netrunner. Wow. That, that, that's got the same <laughs> kind of artwork to it, you know? I, I, oh, first, yeah. Yeah, when, when, we, when I first got this and I was reading through it, I'm like, hey, this looks like kind of Netrunner-ish. You know, with the funky glasses, that kind of stuff, the cryptocurrencies, and from that standpoint. Anyway, Free Radicals, uh, game designer is Nathan Woyle, W-O-I-L, and this game is all about scoring victory points. Oh, my Lord. It is. When, you, when we think about this game, and we, pl- <sighs> and we played it, our end goal was how to spend resources, which enabled us to move the victory point tracker. So by the end of the 12th round, whoever had the most was the winner. (laughs) And there's nothing bad about that. He's laughing because it's the truth. I know, but you break down every single game the same way. Well, give give me an opportunity to break it down a different way. Oh, Let's add. Let's let's talk about what's different about it. Why we couldn't go over a mind-numbing rhetoric over how to play this game is because there are five colors, and each color has two factions. So for a total of ten factions that all play different, there's your brilliance of this game on how they get their end game, their victory points um, by round twelve. Is how do they generate these resources? How do they? get the various carbons, titaniums out onto the board. It depends on the faction. So it is completely asymmetric, completely. I am playing by myself. Uh, 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 ah, well, no, 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 no. You're not playing by yourself. There is interaction between is these some. different factions because there's a center board. And the idea is that you want to try to activate these buildings that are on the board. And when you do, then anybody can go to that building and take advantage of it. And if somebody else is the one that activated, they're going to get a bonus if you go there. So there is interaction from that aspect of that that middle board. Mm-hmm. So all that works the exact same way. Um, also, you can increase people's knowledge. Uh, there's a knowledge tracker. You can increase your own or somebody else's. And Tony, I think is important too, is the fact that everybody has these influence tokens or cubes. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get other people's cubes because you're going to get victory points based on the number of different complete sets of cubes you have at the end of the game. 
Yeah, you're trying to get favor. You're trying to go to those um, various yep. factions and be able to convince them, hey, here's a favor. Here, take this. You need to do this. I need to give you this because, and, and this is where the, the I think the game begins to throw you for a loop. I, here I am helping this person to be able mm-hmm. to get the most of a of favor or build a set, but I have to do that because when I do that, then I'm going to get something in and benefit to me. I, I'll be doing that. It's one of those things that you're sitting there going, oh, okay, how do I not help them out so that I can score points at the end? And I know I didn't say that very well. It's a balance. Like, I don't want Marty to run away with all my favor because suddenly now he's got he's got an advantage. Remember we talked about this with uh, Tabanusi where it was like, I want to do things because it might get me victory points, but it could benefit somebody else also. You're, that's kind of what you're saying here mm-hmm. is the same way. I need to help you, but I don't want to help you too much, but just enough so that I get some sort of benefit from it. And you, we, Tony, we really can't break down a player's turn because you're not kidding when you say there are 10 totally different factions in play. If any of y'all have ever played Root or Vast, you remember when you learned those and how different each of those are and that you literally just kind of have to learn uh, your faction on your own, and then just kind of see how everybody else's work. Tony, in a, a couple of weeks ago, basically said, all right, y'all, here, I've made copies of the different factions. You're going to pick your faction right now. You're going to go home and you're going to read this so that when we get back together, you know how your faction works because I'm not going to learn 10 factions and nope. teach them to you, which I appreciate. You put the responsibility on the players. We had to learn on our own. And aside from Mark, we all did that. <laughs> I don't even know where I put the sheet. Oh, I, it <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll be this person. Yeah, but we all did that. We all learned how to play. Obviously, we can't go all the different 10 factions, but let's just say how different it is. For example, Tony, my faction had a Mandela. It reminded me so much of Trajan. I had these different colored tokens around this circle, and... Just like in Trajan, I had to pick up all the tokens from one sector and drop them one by one. And whichever was the last sector I placed it in, that's where I got to take my action. And my goal was to try to combine different colors together to complete projects. And if I got projects, I got victory points. The different sectors were the ways that allowed me to draw cards or get resources or spend those resources to uh, go out to uh, buildings or play cards from my hand, etc. However, Tony, your faction had nothing to do with Mandela and looked and played totally different than mine. You're right. I was playing the merchants. But one thing I wouldn't want to say is every faction had the same process, the same flow to it. You check a condition at the beginning. Do you have prestige? Mm. Okay, we all did that. Then you would go forth and you would do your actions. Whichever, however they do. They may be like you, moving tokens around on your Mandela on your board right there. Mine was, I got to visit as the merchants. I was green. I was a merchant. I could go to various merchant stalls, and I got to do three actions in those stalls. And if I had built a stall, it was that action I didn't have to take because it was instantaneous. I got the result of that. And that may be gain a copper or do a, give a favor or something along those lines. And for my faction, it was all about the favor, getting the favor cubes to to various people so that I could get a lot of them so that I would get those sets that I needed or be, have the majority of them. 
uh, you know, another one out there was the hotelers, which is, was the flip side. And it, it's about doing Tetris pieces. I was like, there's no way I'm going to play that faction. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing that one. Uh, Mark had the artisans and Mark was all about playing data cards and data cards. We all have data cards, but Mark had to match up colors of the data cards and be able, if he picked this color, then he got to do these various actions. Meanwhile, Bert is a courier and he's flying drones everywhere. Yeah, his was really cool. So he had like a map and he could send drones around. It was a pickup and delivery style system. And with that, it was how he was able to activate his actions. Again, uh, all of us had actions that could do similar things for us, draw cards, get resources, etc. It's just that how you activated those actions were different per faction. The game plays up to five people. And if you don't have five people, then you have a non-player faction, which was purple in our case, but that could have been the adventurers or the paladins. And by having a non-player, you can still get their favor. You can still advance their knowledge track, but they're not taking any turns. And so they don't have any special abilities in their awakened buildings. All that goes out, out the door. That's no longer an issue for them. But like the adventurers have the ability where they have multiple ways to victory. So, you know, it's all laid out for you, the various faction. And when we already talked about these special buildings, there's these 10 buildings across the bottom. If your faction's building is awakened and you go visit that building, then you have a special ability that no one else does. Other than that, the building has to be awoken. So you try to match a card with your faction color on it so that you can awaken. It doesn't have to be necessarily your building. It could be any faction's building, but you still have to have your color on that card and say, I'm going to awaken it. I'm going to show control. And then therefore, when someone visits, they have to give you favor to go there. But you also get a bonus when they visit. But I think it broke down, Marty, for me, not break, the game didn't break down. It was just, how do I convert these points? Now, I got wiped. I did not play my faction very well. I wasn't understanding it very well. It was simple, but I wasn't seeing where I could build a combo. Where you Mm. and Bert, you had all these combos going everywhere. I was like, oh, is your turn done? Oh, good. I'm just going to head to the restroom. (laughs) I don't have to worry about it. Because you do your thing and just put favor on my board when I need it. Or take my favor. That's true. So you didn't need to be uh, around for that. Uh, So there wasn't much you could do necessarily on your turn. But you may still be interacting with people, but not having to really make decisions. But again, I love Trajan. So I was very comfortable with this planning of these actions of a Mandela wheel. So maybe that's why I was able to to do uh, well in that game. And like you said at the very beginning, Tony, this is, game is played over 12 rounds. So it's a fixed time. Once we got the groove of our action, I felt our rounds were moving pretty quick towards the end. They were. And as more and more buildings opened up, it gave us more opportunities to go do things. I know mm-hmm. at the beginning, I felt like I was a little resource starved because I couldn't, I couldn't find where do I get this? Where do I get that? And I was like, okay, how am I going to get this to work? This work that I had a lot of AP on my side. If I were to play this faction again, I would be studying how to activate the boards better mm-hmm. and how to, how to get those. Because I was sitting there going, I'm not doing this right. This is sad. I'm, I'm 30 points behind. I don't know what I'm doing. It's funny when we played it, somebody said, this is kind of uh, like Terra Mystica. And I think I may have mentioned it. However, mm-hmm. the factions in Terra Mystica are way more similar than what the factions are in this game. To me, if you want to compare like different types of factions, I would look to Root. To me, they are that 
different to where even as Tony said earlier, there are some that have different victory conditions that can be used uh, as opposed to maybe just getting the most victory points. And when you have a game that you can go to the last page of the rule book and it basically has everything you need there, you're like, okay, this is solid. I I can understand what they need to do here. I knew Mm -hmm. how to win the game. Everything is explained out. I know what all the tokens are. I think what got us going here was the ability that we had 10 asymmetric factions. How would they play out? How would they interact? And the interaction was around favor. You know, other than that, that that was really it. And the buildings, the awakened buildings. buildings. Yes. Once you went to a a building that was awakened by someone else, they would get a benefit. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one thing we did wrong. We needed to awaken the buildings early. Well, there was a cost to them. Right. Some of the buildings I wanted to awaken, I needed a lot of resources. So I had to manipulate my Mandela to try to get the resources to be able to even awaken that building and pay the resources to do so. But if I wanted to awaken the casino, I had to wait for the casino card, data card, with my color on it. Mm. Yep. Because we were getting into a discussion like, when we were going through the rules, it says, you know, you need your faction's color in order to awaken a building. And nowhere did it say in the rules, we, I, it may have did when we missed it, but and we inferred that play my faction of the building I want to awaken, pay the resources, gain the Bennett, place control on it. We talked about that a lot because uh, you're right. It says play of your faction's color. And it was like, but is it uh, the faction's color and matches the building that we want to awaken? <laughs> so, and, and we were all scratching and we were doll deep. You bought the extra copy of the rule book. And that's when Mark said, can I look at the rules? <laughs> so, Actually, I printed out those pages for everybody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we could all read it. So uh, let me tell you, all if, if you like games with a lot of replayability, 10 different factions is a lot of replayability. And again, they are extremely different. And there may be some factions that appeal to you more than others. For example, Tony wasn't crazy about the Tetris one. I didn't mention the faction on the other side of my board, the other side of the, the one that I played, was about farming. And you had a grid, and you had to be able to plant plants. And if they were adjacent, it had to do with adjacency of being able to plant stuff on the board, which is how you activated your actions. So all totally different. So if you're into games like that, where it's not going to definitely not going to be samey every time you play, especially if you don't play the same factions and you play different factions together, this is going to feel very different each time you play and give a lot of replayability. But the core actions are always going to be the same from the standpoint of how to awaken a building. If you interpret mm. the rules like we did favor, how to advance faith or I'm sorry, advanced knowledge that never changes. So that's good. So when you put it on, even though someone's got to relearn the, get a new faction to learn, Hopefully they can go to BGG, download the faction and say, okay, which faction are you going to? Now, one thing, if Marty wants to play the farmers, I can't play the executive because it's on the flip side of the board. That's pretty much like Terra Mystica, where it's double-sided faction boards. Yep. Right. If somebody wanted to play the hotelers, then I couldn't play the merchants. So that was very important. That's one thing you got to know. So everybody's going to get their color. One of the things I want for this game, Marty, is if you play with less players, you're going to have more non-player pieces ah because you always must have five players out there even if some are npcs and if some of the data cards don't match the players the the icons then you immediately discard them now would that take away would that slow down the awakening of buildings it might might yeah you know and the buildings were key because it was a there's one building i forget which one it was it was pay one resource get three others or something like that 
Uh, that was a that was an important building that we were able to quickly transfer resources. Depends on how you used your actions. So my last thoughts on this is, you know, for for free radicals is an interesting concept with the various factions and being able to sit there and try to solve the puzzle on how to collect the resources, get those resources into victory points, and then maintain the other winning conditions of collecting favor or advancing um, knowledge. Yes, knowledge. Thank you. I forgot about knowledge because I didn't have any at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's that time of year here in the United States. It's tax time. Got to get those taxes ready to go. Got to end up, you know, paying or maybe getting your money back. I don't know. Depends on how well you did in 2021. But before you go fill out all those forms here in the U.S. or wherever you're at, take a few moments and go vote on your favorite game of 2021. That's right. The Squirrelies are around the corner and the All Y'all Award nomination is open. Go out there and type in at least one game. You don't have to type in all three, but if you type in all three, that's awesome too. But type in a game to show us what should have been the best game of 2021. So there's a form out there. You can find it in our BGG Guild. Um, it, you can go click on that. You can get in our Discord. I, I put it in a whole bunch of channels to make sure that people saw it. And there'll be a link in the show notes. So be sure to go vote for your favorite game of 2021 or your favorite three games. The first one gets three points. Your second game will get two points and the third game will get a single point. And then I total it all up and whoever has the most points wins. And if you give us your email, there might be, there might be a drawing there at the end of this and somebody might win a prize. Who knows? Maybe it's the number one game if they're available in stock. Who knows? It might be a box of crap. Who knows? It could be a box of moon pies. It may be a $5 gift card from miniature market. I don't know. It's whatever the show can budget. After we had to ship out those mini games at the beginning of the show, there's not much budget left for 2022. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's the way it goes. So be sure to go out there and select your favorite game of 2021. Anything you want to push about this, Marty? Anything you want to say? Uh, just that we do have our big swirl awards uh, coming up uh, soon. And that's what we're kind of prepping for. Tony and I are working on the award categories right now and nominations. And we'll have some more information about that uh, when it comes up. But this is one of the first steps we have is the All Y'all Award. And speaking of Discord channel, you need to get your computer up and running and working so you can come play Guild Wars 2 with this man. I know. It's sitting down, taking the time. I've started the thief. I got. I just got to play. Just got to make time. I need to just back away from Assassin's Creed Valhalla that I'm playing and just say, okay, let's shift our focus over here. Oh, wait, I just bought that game for the uh, <clears throat> Neverwinter Nights for the Nintendo Switch. Mm, yeah, there we go. <gasps> oh, or better yet, how about I just bought this game, uh, Trine 4, or all the Trine classics. Oh, Trine. Trine. Is it Trine? Trine? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I might be getting the new Pokemon RPG. Let's go do that instead. Oh, wait. Guild Wars 2. Let's go back over there. You're all excited about it. How's it going, by the way? Are y'all killing some dungeons in Guild Wars 2? We did the first dungeon a couple times already. Uh, We got through it really quickly. Number one, there's a a guy in the uh, Discord channel, Colin, who knows a lot more about the game than I do. Kind of walked us through and told us what to do and everything. But like last night I was editing a video and I looked over in uh, discord and we have a, a voice channel set up for Guild Wars two and there are five people in there. I went, 
dang it. So I shut off the video editing and pulled up Guild Wars and joined them. And we were just kind of running around doing things together. It's it's a lot of fun. The, the expansion's coming out. Most people have bought the expansion. So everybody's going to get a level boost to jump up to level 80. And then we're going to start playing a lot of the story stuff together in uh, the new expansion when it comes out. End of Dragons. Mm, the Dragon's End, huh? The End of Dragons. Yeah. So this is from Cantha. If you know anything about Guild Wars, this is the Asian-inspired area. So cool. Of Tyria. And uh, you get to fish. You got to come fish with this, man. This is brand new. You get a little fishing boat and you go out and go fishing. I've been fishing in Zelda and Assassin's Creed. So I need to come over here and fish? Yeah, well, I mean, why not? Well, like I'm, sure, I'm sure they're going to add new recipes because um, my char was a chef. I did do that yeah. profession. I don't know if it's still a viable profession it in is. the game. I remember when we first started out, man, getting someone to send you a bag. That's, that's one thing I'm, I've, I was thinking about with this game. You know, it's been out so long. Are people still crafting enough to where you can go get a bag? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. To hold yeah. your junk. Yeah. What, what's amazing is you would think at this point in time, the starter areas would be dead. Nobody there. And it's not the case, man. So I started a new character also. I started a Mesmer. And anytime there was a group event going on, there were a lot of people there. It's just like every zone has people playing. But it has been a lot of fun getting together with people in the chat. But we got like eight or nine people playing right now. We want to get at least 10 in the guild and do a big guild event where we go do something called a strike event, which takes 10 people to go in. It's like a mini, you, every, you go up against a boss. Mm. Instead of doing a full dungeon, it's just a short event where all you do is tackle the boss and do some fun things like that together. Okay. So I need to, that's new. That wasn't there before. That's new. I remember in doing, in doing Guild Wars when we would go do some PvP and you'd have to go fight the various factions and that was all. Guild Wars was always nice from PvP too. You didn't have to deal with crap. Somebody was, oh, was it Julia? Mm -hmm. uh, I, she's just gotten into Guild Wars. She's big in our Discord channel and she, she's an amazing contributor to our Discord channel. Uh, she said, all right, you guys have talked me into it. Is there a PvP? And went, oh yeah, we just haven't done it yet. There's World versus World, which is the big scale battles. And then PvP, which is five versus five teams. I remember Guild Wars, just regular Guild Wars and getting black dye. And die, you know how that was. I forgot about that. The rare black dye drop. That's right. And then you'd sell them and all this yep. other stuff. And, I, and the map, I think there were maps or something. Oh man. Before, I need to crank up just Guild Wars to see if that thing will even. Oh, I know I got tons of gifts in that. Man. Oh, I still have that in, installed. In fact, I had to go buy a new um, SSD drive for, because I was running out of space. So I went and bought a one terabyte. Holy cow. It's only, it was only a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. So, wow. That's like a penny a bite or something. I don't know. Don't make me do math. It's late, man. A terabyte divided by a hundred thousand. Don't make me do math. I, I'm done. Okay. I'm not going to do math. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Never mind. It's, it's divided by something. So anyway, yeah. Uh, we are playing Guild Wars too. A lot of stuff going on, on Discord channel. Uh, again, hey, we get to 400 people. I'll just randomly give away a $4 gift card to Mitch Market. What do you think about that? We got 1700 in BGG with no action. Yeah, not a lot going on there. It's it's funny. The A lot of our act, uh, traction has gone from BGG over to Discord, and I actually prefer Discord. We have a little more control over there. We do? Yeah. I, I, I get on, read all the, the posts, and then I'm I'm out. I'm just like, okay, I can't. You know, I hate typing on the phone, so. I understand. But occasionally I get over there, and I'm like, hey, what are they talking about? Oh, my God, 50 new messages in this. 
what the heck is all this about? And the crowdfunding thing, I'm just like, guys, ah, stop talking about all this. I don't, I don't need to know this. That's one of the new channels that we added. They said, Marty, can you add a crowdfunding? I said, well, sure. But who's going to use this one? Crowdfunding is one of the most popular channels on there now. Everybody loves Kickstarters, man. They do. So what do we got coming up on far as play and games? I mean, you you got anything to tease out for our listeners who've hung around this long? We got Libertalia. We were one of the uh, people to get an early copy of Libertalia. So that's the new version from Stolmeyer Games. We're going to get that to the table soon. I just got my shipping notice for Ascension Tactics. So got that coming Oh, I can't wait to play that. I am so excited to play that. That, You you backed that one. I just got the uh, the One Ring uh, RPG Mm. from Kickstarter. So I'd like to read into that. There's several people in our guild that got that too. So maybe I'll run a one-shot scenario. There you for go. our Discord channel. That'd be fun. Can I be a grumpy dwarf? You sure can. See how I tied that? And he's not a dwarf. What was Who? What were the... Well, who was grumpy? Was grumpy a dwarf? Yeah. You mean Snow White? Yeah, Snow White. Yeah. Okay. Snow White, Seven Dwarves, Grumpy. So there you go. I'm going to be a grumpy dwarf. Dumpy, pumpy. I don't remember their names. Happy, slappy. I, I know one thing. We just need to keep rolling dice. <laughs> and taking names. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. If you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at Dyson Names. Don't forget to go fill out the All Y'all Award. Let us know your top games of 2021. You can go over to our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. See all of our content there and see the link for our Discord channel. Head on over. Give us a join. Hey, Marty, I don't know why you were surprised that I was running a stopwatch on you. Better that than your Nintendo Switch. <laughs>